bullpen medicine and welcome to the well-focused podcast. I'm Mitch Sherman and today we have Caroline Meehan from Pennsylvania Hospital. Caroline is a registered dietitian, works a lot with diabetes education. So Caroline, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you being here. Um, so I always get started giving a little background on yourself. What do you do? What's your day-to-day look like? Let's hear it. All right. Yeah. So like you said, I'm a diabetes care and education specialist, and I work at the Diabetes Education Center here at Pennsylvania Hospital. And we can see patients all throughout the Penn Medicine system, which is great. So we work very closely with providers throughout the, the Penn Medicine system. Um, my day-to-day varies quite a bit. As a diabetes education center, we are quite busy. We have a variety of one-on-one visits. We offer group classes. We do virtual education in person. Um, so we're very patient-focused, a lot of different visits throughout the day, um, and some community events as well, which is really nice. We do some cooking demos. We do some support groups, health fairs. So we're, we're kind of all over Philadelphia, which is great. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I know we've collaborated a bunch, whether you've been gracious enough to do presentations with us. Um, For listeners that don't know, Caroline and her team do a diabetes boot camp, which is Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, And if you have PenCare PPO or other insurances, take it as well. But um, you're eligible for six free visits with a registered dietitian each year, which is always something we like to promote. Um, So, yeah, Caroline and her team do a ton of different things here. Um, I, I also am currently running a diabetes prevention program, so I felt like our paths are very aligned to, yeah. to do this podcast. So very briefly, I, I kind of want to just talk about what is diabetes, the difference between type 1, type 2. So if you could just provide like a broad overview of what it is for listeners that might sure. not know. Yeah, so there are um, various types of diabetes. There are, uh, like you said, there's prediabetes, there's type 1, type 2. There is also latent autoimmune diabetes in adulthood. Um, so there are a few different types of diabetes that we, we do see uh, quite often. Type 1 is more of an autoimmune disease, and we like to say like type 2 is non-autoimmune. So in type 1 diabetes, this is a chronic disease when the pancreas creates little or no insulin. Um, so your body's own immune system is actually destroying insulin-making cells in the pancreas. And we typically will see this diagnosed in children and young adults, but there are uh, more cases of older adults being diagnosed with um, type 1 in adulthood, which we refer to as LADA, or latent autoimmune diabetes in adults. Um, It's estimated about 1.6 million Americans have type 1, so it's, um, on the other hand, type 2 is more closely to about 36 million, so type 2 diabetes is much more common. Um, Type 2 diabetes also a chronic disease, but it is um, not an autoimmune process involved. It's generally uh, develops over many, many years and more so related to a combination of things, including perhaps some lifestyle contribute, uh, contributory um, factors such as uh, diet or lack of physical activity, but also family history, um, genetic history, race, ethnicity, um, history of gestational diabetes or PCOS. Uh, you know, there's many risk factors for somebody uh, for developing type 2 diabetes. So it's a little bit more uh, complicated. You know, I like that you said the word lifestyle because I think lifestyle changes are something we're going to be talking a lot about. Now, have you noticed any increase in prevalence in diabetes in the last, I don't know, some years with increased remote work, things getting a lot easier to just access from our phones and our couch, like grocery shopping or something, and uh, just like increased rates of obesity in the country and the world? 
Yes, uh, definitely diabetes is on the rise. Um, I was actually just updating our pre-diabetes PowerPoint slides, and when we made the PowerPoint in 2020, we had 88 million Americans with pre-diabetes, and this year in 2023, it's 98 million. So it went up about 10 million for pre-diabetes. I don't have those stats for diabetes, but I do. I, I am aware that it's rising. Um, I don't know to what degree, but I think, like you said, remote work. Um, you know, during that pandemic time too. We weren't as active as a, a country, definitely more takeout, carryout. Um, so a lot of lifestyle changes the past few years. And I think now people are going back to the doctor, getting those labs. Um, and there was a time period where we, we just weren't really doing that as much, not getting lab work, um, perhaps skipping that primary care visit because of one thing or another. And uh, there were definitely some barriers to care for those initial uh, months and a couple years of the pandemic. And um, now we're starting to see the effects of that. I definitely that definitely makes sense. You know, as as you mentioned, we all know what happened in 2020 and the results of it. We're recording this remotely a few years ago when I started at Penn Medicine, I guess four years ago now. Wow. Um, (laughs) I was in person and I was there for two and a half, three weeks. And then we were like, okay, we're not going to come in for the next week. And then it turned into two weeks and a month. Four years later, here we are. (laughs) Yeah. Wild. One thing you mentioned I really am interested in talking about is the preventative care aspect in accessing your primary care providers, getting blood work uh, done that you need. How do you diagnose diabetes? What are the metrics? What tests are done? With type 2 diabetes, it's diagnosed with an A1C of 6.5% or higher. So the hemoglobin A1C is a marker of your average blood sugar over three months. And um, so this is a simple blood work to, to get done. And um, that's the, like, the first and usually primary criteria, but also your provider will look at a fasting blood sugar. So if it's over 126 and A1C is 6.5% or higher, that's diagnostic of type 2 diabetes. Uh, we do sometimes see a provider um, want to get the A1C done again, like three months later, just to confirm it for sure. Um, so some providers will will want that, like, double check, but others will go with the, the first one. So it does vary a little bit depending on the, the physician or nurse practitioner or PA. Um, but that's typically how diabetes is diagnosed. With prediabetes, it's an A1C of 5.7 to 6.4. And then, again, diabetes is 6.5% or higher. Okay. Okay. And say you do qualify for diabetes. What, and and this goes unchecked. You're not getting this blood work done. You're not, you know, staying on top of things with your preventative care. You're unaware. How does this manifest itself in your life? Yeah, so the the thing about uh, type 2 diabetes in particular is symptoms usually develop over many years. Um, mm-hmm. So there are some cases where people will have more profound symptoms of high blood sugar, and that might look like frequent urination or increased thirst, or um, sometimes if it's, you know, very significant hyperglycemia or high blood sugar, people might come in with unplanned weight loss. Um, so those are kind of like some of our hallmark symptoms of high blood sugar, which could lead someone to be like, okay, I need to get my, I need to go see the doctor. And um, that might lead to a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. But other times people don't have any symptoms at all. Um, and, and especially with prediabetes, there's generally no symptoms. So that's why getting your lab work, seeing your doctor is so important because there could be things going on that you just have no clue and you feel totally fine. Um, but there are some early stages of, say, diabetes or 
for um, diabetes-related complications like retinopathy, eye disease, or um, kidney disease. So we really want to pick those up very soon rather than later. Some of those, uh, uh, I don't want to say, I guess, symptoms of diabetes they might not even be something that's going to set off an alarm in somebody too. I mean, frequent urination, increased thirst. If yeah. I just think I'm thirsty some random day and I drink a lot of water and maybe I I'm therefore urinating more frequently, I'm going to think, oh, I drank a lot more water today. Yeah, that makes no, sense. And you, yep. you might not pick up on the fact that there is something larger at play. Yeah. That's very true. I think the one that symptom that um, definitely sets off alarms for people is blurry vision. That mm. can also happen with um, high blood sugar. But yeah, you're you're so right. If you're thirstier than usual, that might not be like set off the alarm that I need to go see the doctor. Something might be something might be wrong. So um, so again, yeah, symptoms develop over many years, which is why catching it early is so important, so that we can reduce those risk of developing long term complications related to diabetes. For sure. For sure. Now, you mentioned, you know, the importance of going and getting this done. So mm-hmm. say you don't go and get checked out. What what happens long term in the body? So you, you say you're not picking up on these signs. You think, oh, I'm just thirsty. Um, my vision's not blurred. Nothing's really setting off the alarms. What, what's going to happen? Yeah, so the the more common diabetes-related complications include um, eye disease, uh, so retinopathy. Um, and retinopathy can start in the body very um, without you having any symptoms. So if you're not getting your yearly eye exam, for example, or you're not aware that you have um, diabetes, there could be changes in your eyes that are occurring um, that we need to address right away because if not, it can actually lead to vision loss. Um, and we don't want to pick it up at that, you know, proliferative stage uh, of retinopathy where things are perhaps irreversible. So that's, you know, that's one thing that can happen. Kidney disease is also linked to diabetes. So if somebody is not getting that comprehensive metabolic panel generally yearly, where we're going to check uh, BUN and creatinine and GFR, those markers of kidney disease, um, that could be another thing that goes missed. And if, if that goes missed for too long, kidney disease will progress. And the, the worst case scenario would be that someone needs uh, either transplant or dialysis. So, you know, these are going to be really significant uh, progressions of diabetes-related complications. But yeah, I definitely have seen people that perhaps um, didn't get diagnosed with diabetes until their A1C was quite high and they have significant kidney disease, maybe stage four, their eyes are not in great shape, um, and things that they were picked up, you know, a few years back, um, they would have been in, in a much better situation. So the earlier you catch things, even if you feel totally fine, is, is what's really important. That's um, so interesting that even yeah. an eye exam could kind yeah. of hint yep. at like, oh, your blood sugar might need to be addressed. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when you look at the back of the eyes, they'll be able to see if there's any changes related to both diabetes and high blood pressure, actually. With high blood sugar can impact your heart. And one of the the biggest kind of concerns with diabetes is heart disease. Uh, so if somebody has diabetes and they're not aware, there could be some some changes to arteries and some changes to um, the way your heart is functioning that we'd also want to be aware of right away to address so that the heart disease doesn't continue to progress or potentially cause a heart event like a heart attack or stroke. Hmm. Uh, so, again, the earlier pick these things up, the, the much better case scenario and outcome. So, spark notes. 
Yeah. Get your blood work done. And I know yeah. we're mentioning Get like your blood comp- work done. <laughs> comprehensive panels, metabolic disease. Yes. Lipid panel. Disease. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's as simple just going getting blood drawn and then they can do it all with your standard drawing, yes. correct? Yep. And your primary care will do a great job of making sure you're up to date with your labs, your vaccines, which are really important for diabetes. Um, they'll also make sure you're up to date with, did you get your eye exam this year? Did you get your foot exam this year? Um, are you up to date with your dental exams? So they'll really like pull it all together, which is, is why it's so important to see primary care at least once per year. And then also your diabetes care team if you do have one. For sure. And we're definitely, you know, pushing the importance of primary care. I mean, we have the AIM Employee Health Clinic on campus that takes employees and their dependents. We have Penn Medicine on demand. But we're talking about a lot of bad news. But there is good news. Diabetes is treatable, especially pre-diabetes. It doesn't always need medication, which is Mm -hmm. something that I preach very heavily Mm -hmm. with the Diabetes Prevention Program, which is generally for people with pre-diabetes. But you mentioned the word lifestyle earlier and making lifestyle changes. So can you elaborate a bit on what you mean by that? So, I, yeah, I always like to reiterate that, though, with diabetes, there are some very scary um, potential things that can occur. But so much of the diabetes-related complications are um, not only can be preventable, but really we can reduce the risk with, but again, like the early testing. Um, but nutrition is going to be super important, eating a well-balanced diet, focusing on just kind of nourishing your body with food that's going to be blood sugar-friendly, uh, which a dietitian can really help navigate for you. Um, but I always like to reference the plate method. It's a great tool for building well-balanced meals to kind of get started with diabetes nutrition. Um, Physical activity is going to be super important as well. So staying active has tremendous benefits on blood sugar. It's definitely a great thing to get started with. If you aren't already getting some movement in, walking is a great place to start. So if you walk throughout the day or especially after mealtimes, you can do a great job of helping to lower your post-meal blood sugar. Um, so from lifestyle, nutrition, um, physical activity, just kind of general self-care as well. So that includes uh, sleeping enough, seven to nine hours per night. Great rule of thumb there. If we don't sleep enough, we tend to see blood sugar running a little bit higher the next day. Um, our stress hormones are elevated, and with that, glucose can um, be elevated as well. So sleep, uh, stress management, you know, having good techniques in place. Stress and glucose also go hand in hand. So if you are stressed, your glucose does tend to rise. So we want strategies in place for stress management. Um, if you are experiencing stress that you're, you know, that's perhaps impacting your, your glucose. So the lifestyle piece is so essential. And then, of course, we have medications that are excellent in the diabetes world as well and continuous glucose monitors and lots of great technology. So the great thing with the diabetes world is that there is so many treatment options available. This is quite a bit. We just went through quite a checklist, mm-hmm. stress management, sleep, exercise and nutrition, which yeah. I, I, and I think are the, you know, the hallmarks. There's obviously those are umbrellas. But yes. When you mention nutrition, use the word well-balanced. And I think mm-hmm. a balanced diet, I think that word should be dissected more generally because I think it's just sure. thrown around. Yeah. Because that doesn't mean don't eat ice cream. Yeah. That no, doesn't mean, that. like, it's Christmas, don't have uh, yeah. pie or Thanksgiving, don't have, you know, cranberry mm-hmm. sauce or something like that. And that is something I really like to preach with lifestyle changes is sustainability, I think it's very common, especially now with social media and influencer influencer culture, Mm -hmm. 
to be like, oh, you need to do this. You need to cut out that. But if you're cutting out something, there's no balance there. The scales are going to tip completely one way. Yeah. Um, So if you were to provide a brief summary, maybe not a summary, a brief take opinion on fad diets and some of their similarities, some of the things to look for, what would you what would you say? One kind of framework I love to use with um, patients is all foods fit. So we mm-hmm. really don't want to be cutting anything out. All foods can be part of a diabetes-friendly diet. And um, it's it's more so about, you know, most of the time I want to be eating foods that promote my overall health and well-being. But I also want to include those foods that perhaps are not the most blood sugar-friendly but bring me joy in other ways, especially if it's a social occasion or a holiday, yep. birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we definitely don't want to be cutting anything out. Um, and I think that's really important to keep in mind with balance. So many people will say, oh, I, I can't eat carbohydrates or I can't eat this, I can't eat that. And it's really um, not about that. You you can eat all of the foods that we normally eat, but we might want to tweak a few things or have some alternatives or substitutions. So, for example, if you're um, building a meal and you love pizza, what can you add to that meal that's going to promote your health? And that might be I'm going to add some chicken to my pizza. I'm going to add some salad on the side. So I'm still going to build that balance and eat my favorite food, for example. Yeah. It's creating an allowance for it. And yeah. You know, and, and you mentioned carbohydrates, which I so, so, so demonized in culture. Oh, you got to, you want to lose weight? You got to cut carbs. Yeah. And the label of good carbs versus bad carbs, mm-hmm. when really it's just time and place carbs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, again, like all carbs fit as well. So carbohydrates are actually so great for us. They mm-hmm. offer so many good vitamins, minerals, fiber. We get most of our fiber through carbohydrates. So we definitely don't want to be cutting them out. Most of the time we want to be choosing carbohydrates that are like our fruits, our vegetables, our whole grains, um, you know, sweet potatoes, uh, regular potatoes, beans, corn, peas, Carbs are great, and most of the time we should be choosing those fibrous carbs. But there also are carbs out there that we might also want to enjoy here and here and there, and that could be that slice of cake on your birthday or maybe a little dessert after as the day ends. Um, or maybe you really love white rice. That's, that is the type of carb that doesn't have as much fiber, but that's still okay to have. So most of the time we're choosing those carbs that have more fiber, but there absolutely is room to have those carbs that are maybe not as fiberful, but offer other good benefits as well. Yeah. And I know like, um, like keto is, uh, especially a few years ago was a pretty popular way to, for people mm-hmm. to lose weight. And they're like, Oh, I cut out carbs on keto. Therefore keto is what works. And I'm like, okay, but what, did you cut out carbs or like what kinds of carbs yeah. did you cut out? I have a couple of friends that were like, keto's the best. Okay. But you also started going to the gym more because you're trying to lose weight. You're yeah. also eating more fruits and vegetables and the carbs you were eating were just like right, dominoes right. every yeah. three days. And yeah. listen, yeah. I love dominoes that yeah. I, I can definitely want even like a quote unquote large pizza, which, uh, I don't know if this is a hot take. I don't think it's very large, but I can eat yeah. one of those to myself in like 30 minutes. Um, yeah. If I was doing that every three days and then I stopped doing that, 
oh yeah, I'm probably going to be right. saying it's keto. Thanks for change. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I know it's the, the fad diets. Um, I'm not a fan of, and really the best thing you can do for your health is pick a nutrition eating plan that you can stick to for the rest of your life. So if you feel like you can't do keto for the rest of your life, then it's, it's really not going to benefit you. Um, we want to think about the long term and keto. Yes. You might see some benefits or paleo, like whatever the diet is, intermittent fasting, you might see some benefits and you, you you will see benefits during that 30-day period that you're doing it. But once that diet stops, are what have you learned? Are you going back to the way you ate or the way you were active prior to the diet? Mm-hmm. Are you regaining weight? Do you have an unhealthy relationship with food? You know, there's so many things to look at. Um, so unless it's going to be a lifelong nutrition activity change, it's really not going to benefit your health and could spiral into a cycle of weight loss, weight gain. And that's really not so great for your heart either and your glucose. Yeah, and you're saying stopping a diet, which is quite the opposite of of what we're talking about with lifestyle changes, because it's not like you're stopping eating ice cream. I on this podcast, all my presentations in DPP, uh, Mm -hmm. I always say if a dietitian told me to cut out ice cream, I'd seek a second opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, So if I was stopping eating ice cream for the rest of my life, or sorry, for however the extension or the extent of time for um for this fad diet. That's not realistic because I'm not cutting it out for the rest of my life. Eventually, I'm going to have ice cream again. If I don't have it for a while, I'm probably going to binge it when I do Mm -hmm. have it. I'm going to eat a whole carton because I missed it so much. But what's more sustainable, which is, you know, a word you mentioned, a word that I think is incredibly key here Mm -hmm. is, oh, maybe I have a little bit once a week or Mm -hmm. uh, even less, maybe twice a week or something like that. Less volume of ice cream twice a week. But a lot of times these diets, you say stopping a diet because they might promote, oh, lose X amount of weight in X amount of time. Mm-hmm. That's not sustainable. They're already giving you an end date. Mm-hmm. And two, what's going to happen after that time? Like you said, if you're coming off on, if you go on a diet, at some point you're going to have to come off. And if it's not sustainable, you're going to yeah. revert back to what you yeah. were doing that led you to yep. needing to go on a diet in the first place. That's absolutely right. Um, yeah, so it's such a good point for people to keep in mind, especially this time of year where we're seeing a lot more in the media about diets and changes for the new year. Um, really not trying to fall for that and think about what works for you as a unique individual, not what works for that celebrity that's touting a diet out there that doesn't really have the perhaps nutrition science background to um, to say, just because it's worked for me, it's going to work for everybody else. But that's not reality. We all have unique health needs and relationships with food and movement. Uh, so really listening to your body, but also if you need like professional help, seeking out help from a dietitian um, or you know, even talking to your doctor or whatever kind of way to get started with things. I'm really happy you said, you know, people have different bodies and and dietary Mm -hmm. needs and things like that because you might even read something that says quote unquote study show and maybe they're looking at people that are different age than you different weight different lifestyle so they might have different sleeping patterns they might work night shift they might not exercise they might be living in a different place uh they might have different genetics so it's Mm -hmm. really impossible to say what works for what works for you is going to work for me so that's why it's not like oh do this or oftentimes have my product adopting yep. these lifestyle changes that are personalized to you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
So great things to, to remember and to remind yourself, um, especially if you're on TikTok or Instagram, all those social media <laughs> platforms that have all these crazy diets out there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, be careful. Yes, <laughs> be, be careful, especially because it's the influencer's job. They might not yeah. be working at Penn Medicine yeah. as a nurse yeah. or a doctor right. or a dietitian or behind a desk yeah. doing, you know, whatever work. So their job is to do these things. So they yeah. have the means and time to do it. Mm-hmm. Anytime you see 30 day diet or 30 day plan, that is a big red flag because it should be the lifelong plan. Yes. And, you know, hopefully avoiding red flags, I guess some takeaways, lifestyle changes, see your mm-hmm. PCP, get your preventative mm-hmm. care, do your preventative care, get your uh, blood work panels done. There are so many resources available at Penn, outside of Penn. Obviously, we're here on the Penn Medicine Well-Focused Podcast. Mm -hmm. Now, as I wind these podcasts down, I always like to end them with a fun question that the guest was not prepared for. So (laughs) I did not brief Caroline about this. We are talking a lot about foods that you should eat, balanced diets, things to avoid or not avoid, but things to consume less of. But I want to ask you what some of your favorite sweets are, since we're talking about diabetes, <laughs> and we all have sweets in yeah. life. So even though we're here, I don't want to say preaching, but we're talking about, you know, living a healthy lifestyle, but that's going to include these sweets. So some yeah. of these sweets that you enjoy like most. So I love to bake. Um, I okay. love to bake my whole life. Uh, so my, like, favorite thing to so when I think about sweets, for me, it, it should be, um, like, more special, something that I've made. I, I find, like, if I make it, it's a lot more satisfaction. Mm-hmm. I, I find more satisfaction in it. Um, chocolate chip cookies, warm out mm-hmm. the oven, definitely my favorite sweet. Uh, so I, I really like to go for, like, the, the real deal, make it just as the recipe says it should be made. And then I, I find that I am very satisfied with just, you know, that one or two cookies rather than if I buy it out or I buy it store-bought. For whatever reason, I just find them harder or easier to overeat, and they're not as satisfying. So I, I think, too, like with the diabetes world, if you really want that slice of cake or that cookie, like try baking it and try sharing it with other people. Um, that's a great way to go about including sweets that you might love in your life, but they're going to be even more special if they're homemade and then if you share them with your loved ones. So at their absolute apex, everything is the best it could possibly be. Are you cookies over brownies? Uh, I think I am cookies over brownies. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm, a, I'm a big cookie person, but I absolutely love brownies, especially if they're warm out of the oven with a scoop of ice cream. It's great. They're like <laughs> One of my favorite fuzzy. desserts. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Love um, ice cream. <laughs> nice. Very cool. All right. Good answers. Good answers. I'll accept. <laughs> What's um, your favorite? Cookies or brownies? You no, know, I, I definitely prefer brownies over cookies not to say i don't like cookies i know some people could hear that you don't like cookies that is not what i'm implying at all um i mean ice cream but ice cream maybe with cookie Mm -hmm. dough and brownies in it i don't know i'm not i'm not picky um yeah i might go ice cream anyway caroline this has been awesome this has been very insightful i'm glad that we're able to break these potentially complicated uh scientific (laughs) topics down to something more easily digestible. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, it was really fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Appreciate it. Have a good one.